0: Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, and welcome to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Ryan Bonaparte. And we're here today. We're going to talk about Purdue's upcoming game against West Virginia. A little more in-depth than we did on the preview episode, uh, previous episode with Casey. Uh, we're going to take a break, come back, and talk about the upcoming IU football game for the Old Oaken Bucket. But first, Ryan, in the spirit of the holidays, I've got some Thanksgiving questions for you. Are you ready? I am. Okay, so I did something similar with Casey last year. And for long-time listeners of the podcast, they will know that Casey has terrible food opinions. Uh, So I'm going to give you kind of a a this or that uh, about Thanksgiving food, all right? Okay. Are you a turkey or a ham kind of guy?
1: I am a turkey guy.
0: Okay, good choice, good choice. Uh, White meat or dark meat, or do you like a little bit of both?
1: Dark meat. uh, Turkey legs is the only thing I will eat. Okay, bold choice. So are you one of those guys
0: that, like, you go to, like, a theme park or a... uh, place that sells giant turkey legs and you just get one of those and gnaw on that for the rest of the day?
1: Absolutely not. I should amend my statement. <laughs> turkey legs are the only thing I eat on Thanksgiving. Gotcha. Like sandwich meat is perfect for white meat. Okay. Or white meat is perfect for sandwich meat later on. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. Um, all right. So when, uh, it's time to put the sides on your plate, what's your, what's your favorite one? What are you going with? You, you know, I'm going to give you a couple options, but if there's something else, feel free. Uh, mac and cheese, green bean casserole, or uh, insert third option here.
1: In true Thanksgiving Day fashion, I gotta go with the green bean casserole. Okay. Um, a less of a Thanksgiving Day, more just general is um mashed potatoes.
0: Excellent choice. Those are my yeah. two. Those are my two. Yeah, and yeah. I would I would go mashed potatoes gravy, but I also do go the mac and cheese. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the green bean casserole, but I understand you know it's a tradition for a lot of people, so who am I to, to dump on that for them? Yep. (laughs) All right. When it comes time to, uh, pick a dessert, what are you choosing? Pumpkin pie. Perfect choice. Perfect choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, whipped cream or no?
1: Absolutely. You cannot have dry pumpkin pie.
0: Okay. Now here's another important question. Do you go with the cool whip or do you go with, you know, ready whip actual whipped cream in a can?
1: I'm fine with either, but I tend to go with the Ready Whip. Okay, okay. Growing up,
0: we were always a Cool Whip family. Uh, We always had just the tubs of Cool Whip on holidays when, you know, you needed it. Uh, Nowadays, it doesn't really matter. I'll take whatever you got because whipped cream is whipped cream, whether it's chemicals or whether it's dairy, uh, all delicious to me. So um, afterward, this is kind of an obvious question. It's not food related, but... I assume you're a watch football the rest of the day kind of guy.
1: Yes. uh, Usually I have a couple different dinners to actually go to. So it's kind of just moving around. But um, when I can, usually I'll watch the football game. Um, Sometimes it's fun just to watch the Cowboys lose on Thanksgiving. Always
0: good to watch the Cowboys lose, regardless of the holiday. (laughs) Um, So I'm glad we can agree there as well. All right. Uh, Is there any specific Thanksgiving food we didn't mention that you want to give a shout out to?
1: I was actually going to ask you your opinion on cranberries. Uh,
0: so I don't love it, but I also don't hate it. Uh, we went yeah. to we went to a friends like a friendsgiving. Uh, gosh, it would have been about four years ago, and one of the people there brought like their own uh, homemade cranberry sauce. I'm not even really sure what was in it, mm. but they're like, "No, it's really good. Put it in the mashed potatoes." And I was oh, like, no. "And I was like, well, I absolutely will not be doing that." Um, my wife did it, though, and she said it was really good in the mashed, mashed potatoes, um, but I just tried it on its own. It was pretty good, but um, okay. I, I'm just just—I'm not a huge fan. Uh, I would rather just eat like a handful of dried cranberries, if I'm being honest. So okay. do you, for you, are you a cranberry sauce guy, and are you wanting the homemade, or do you want it right out of the can with the ridges still on the cranberry sauce?
1: Give me the ocean spray ridges all day. <laughs> there you go. I I mean, all right. That, that is... That's perfect for me. I, I don't know about homemade. I mean, I, I trust some people with that, but it's very hit or miss.
0: Yeah, 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 I would imagine. Um, as I said, it's not really my cup of tea, so I would usually, like, be polite and try uh, if someone made it. But, it, you know, for me, I'm more of a meat and potatoes kind of guy, so I'll stick with those <laughs> and the mac and cheese. Just Just my All personal right. opinion.
1: All right. And then is it stuffing or is it dressing?
0: So I – stuffing. Um, oh, and I same. actually um, – I stole a recipe from my father-in-law actually, and I'm not doing it this year just because I'm lazy. Um, but I have a, a shrimp and grits stuffing recipe that is just top-notch. Um, okay. I, I think it's delicious. I wish – I sh- honestly, I should make it more um, just in random times throughout the year because it is so good. You can really just treat it as a meal. But it is, it is quite good. So I uh, recommend that to anyone who wants to look up the recipe. So I think that is a good roundup of Thanksgiving food. Now, you're done with your Thanksgiving meal. Uh, you're sitting around. If you've got children like I do, they're probably in bed because it's 10 o'clock. And Purdue basketball is tipping off against West Virginia in the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament out in Portland, Oregon. And, Ryan, I know we talked about this game a little bit uh, on last podcast with Casey, but what can you tell me uh, about West Virginia? Did we dig into them a little more? Anything else we know about them?
1: Well, as per our agreement on this podcast, <laughs> I looked up the tallest West Virginia player. Thank
0: you. Thank you. You've yep, met your contractual obligation.
1: Yep. Now I, can, uh, now I can move on. So they actually have two players who are six foot ten. Okay. They are Jimmy Bell Jr. and Muhammad Wog, Wag, Wagyu. Like the W A T U E. Okay. I'm not sure. So I, I'm i sorry for botching your name, Muhammad. It happens.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no, we're going to butch hundreds of names on this podcast. So the sooner they get oh. get used to it, the better. You should have heard me say Tua viola
1: Mm hmm. And how cruel to go from Jimmy Bell to that
0: yeah <laughs> yeah not even not even really in the same ballpark, so um, mm-hmm. do either of them play very much?
1: I believe if I'm looking correctly, uh Bell, they both average about fifteen minutes so far, yet these are okay, so so they do both play um then again, West Virginia goes ten deep with ten players averaging over thirteen minutes a game, so. Bob Huggins really has a deep squad there.
0: Yeah, I I take that with a little bit of a grain of salt just because we're so few games into the season. You know, coaches really haven't tightened down their rotations any yet. And Mm -hmm. especially a a high major team like West Virginia and like Purdue, they're not really playing opponents that are going to test them a whole lot as of yet. So, you know, they're using guys more minutes than they probably would – Come, you know, conference season or these tournaments where it's the the games are much more important. So I, I take that with a grain of salt. But your point, you know, is well taken. Um, so we know it is a Bob Huggins team. So we know they're going to press. We know they're going to have pressure defense, even if they don't, you know, put a full court press on. Um, you know, Bob Huggins plays a really in your face style of defense. So. My question to you is, do we think Braden Smith can hold up against this West Virginia defense, which will surely be the best defense that he's played this year?
1: I think it helps that Marquette actually pressed a bit against Purdue when they played, because obviously that's something that Coach Painter, when he sees an issue with that, I believe uh, Braden Smith had two early turnovers against that press. That's something he's going to coach, and especially knowing that, bob huggins runs this type of defense it's very very on the nose for matt Panther to show Braden smith how to do that i think that Braden smith is definitely athletic enough get out of a press and this team has already shown they understand that you can pass the ball backwards yes need,
0: yeah so it's a big innovation
1: yeah especially when you have i believe it Eight days of practice mm-hmm. for an opponent, they should know how to get out of a position.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean to your point earlier about Braden Smith had those early turnovers um, against Marquette, and then he got a you know a bit of words in his ear from Painter, and then there were no, he didn't commit another turnover the rest of the game. So that was uh, huge, I think, for his confidence and showing that he really can learn you know, even in game what he's doing wrong and kind of adjust to it. So that does give me hope about how he's going to handle this West Virginia defense. Um, We also, they've got a, I believe he's a fifth year guy, Eric Stevenson. Uh, He's a guy kind of like David Jenkins Jr. who has been around college basketball. He was at Wichita State, Washington, and South Carolina. Uh, Mm -hmm. On the season he's eight of 15 from beyond the arc which is 53 percent so obviously that's not a lot of shots but for this early in the season you know he's hitting them at a pretty good clip so Purdue is going to have to watch him when he gets beyond the arc Um, Jed wrote a profile about this uh, matchup on the site and he mentioned that his thinking was maybe Ethan Morton would be uh, tasked with slowing him down do you think that's accurate or do you think Painter would put someone else out there
1: I definitely think so. Um, Ethan Morton, he's got the on-ball defense, and he's coming into more knowledge about how to defend a player. So he definitely is athletic enough to do it. Um, obviously, sometimes Matt Painter completely breaks those expectations. Yeah. Um, But to what you said, yes, uh, Ethan Morton is more than capable.
0: Yeah, and, and Morton's also got uh, length. You know, he's got long arms. Absolutely. He's you know, taller, I think, than most people assume he is given uh, the way he plays. Um, so I think he would be a good option out there. It'll be interesting to see if he, if Painter throws Lawyer out there when Lawyer is on the court. Um, mm. You know, we, we don't really know a whole lot about how these new guys are going to play defensively, game in and game out. Um, so much about defense is about effort and about knowing where you're supposed to be and where you're supposed to go, and we just haven't seen – Uh, enough of these guys to know how they're really going to respond so it's going to (laughs) be interesting to see because this is really I mean Marquette is good Um, they're going to be a good team this year but this is a, a different level of challenge than Purdue has faced so far this year.
1: Right. And to your point about uh, the younger guys, they have shown the knack for rotating on defense and getting to their spots. There hasn't been too many open shooters against Purdue so far. Yeah. And that was a big problem last year. Exactly. So that seems to have been both a big focus by pa- Matt Painter in the off season for the guys who are not freshmen. And then for those freshmen, they are as Casey said last week, they were the best player on their team and they are young and have, you know, well well rested legs in life. So yeah, they right. definitely get around, dive on the floor and make it work. It's nice to see that they have that they put in that effort and they have that drive to actually do that. Not all freshmen come in and have that you know, killer instinct to, okay, I have to be on the ball defensive. So that's something that you love to see early on in a player's career.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because so for a while there, Purdue really had gotten away from defense being their identity. Um, we were more of a finesse team on offense and really we're just trying to outscore folks, which is fine. You know, it can work for you as long as you have the guys out there to do it, as long as you have the shooters and Purdue for a while there had those guys. Um, I think they're getting back to being able to outscore folks. You know, they're building uh, a team that could maybe get there. But right now, so much of their identity needs to come down to defense because mm-hmm. we're we're untested on the offensive side of the ball, um, relying a lot on freshmen. David Jenkins Jr. is a transfer. Granted, he has played a lot of minutes in his career, um, but... He's at a different level now, and we don't really know how he'll be over a full season with Purdue. So there's a lot of unknowns on this Purdue offense, so they really need to hang their hat on defense and get out there and grind out wins if they have to. And um, I think this team has the talent and the mindset to do that, and this is just going to be yet another opportunity to show uh, that they have that mindset and can do that for 40 minutes, especially – Especially now, you know, now we're a ranked team. Now there's a now there's a target on our back.
1: Right. Yeah. And again, this whole tournament, this is how you love these, you know, holiday weekend tournaments because it's really just going to show who a team is. So I know this is sounds like the most coach thing to say, but this is a really good uh, chance to show what you're made of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, these are the games that help you come NCAA tournament seeding time these are the games that really help your national profile and get you noticed um, by the media and by the by the other coaches Um, so hopefully you can improve your ranking and then like I said ultimately this helps you come NCAA tournament time because as we've seen as Purdue fans year in and year out your seeding matters so much because it matters where it takes you in the country and you know how hard those first couple round opponents are going to be so this is the start of you know three games where Purdue's going to have a real great opportunity to uh, build a resume and show the rest of the country who they are and, quite frankly, show Purdue fans who they are because, as I've said, you know, as I've harped on numerous times with all these young guys on the team, all these new faces, we don't really know what to expect from this squad. So to see them up against some pretty talented teams out in Portland is going to be um, a really great thing, really give us a much better idea of how this season could go.
1: Right. And to that end, luckily, it's not a make or break point in the season. I mean, last year, Purdue beat the national champions in their holiday tournament. So it's not all the pressure isn't completely on you, but this should give you a much better idea of where you're going.
0: Yep. Yep. So by the time we record our next podcast, you know, we'll know a lot more about Purdue basketball. So I'm really looking forward to a few basketball games over this next uh, five days here. So we're gonna take a break. Come back. Talk about the old Oaken Bucket game as Purdue travels to Bloomington. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: That is a harsh lesson in business.
0: Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I
1: didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal.
0: Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumpaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumpaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back. So as promised, it's Bucket Week, folks. It means Purdue heading to Bloomington, and we've got the bucket. We're taking it with us. Purdue on a... Only one game win streak against IU, but it is a win streak, so we'll take it. Um, Before we get into this game, Ryan, do you know, just, I'm going to give you uh, three games one way or the other, uh, the current overall uh, record, Purdue versus IU.
1: Overall? Yeah. Okay, so 100 years, I believe it's like 760 to thirty. 8-2 8-2 or something like Honestly, that?
0: Honestly, not too far off. So, Purdue has won 75 times. IU okay. has won 42, and there have been six ties.
1: Six, okay.
0: Yeah, so, uh, not, not too shabby from a Purdue end. Largest margin of victory was in 1892. Uh, Purdue won 68-0. to zero. Okay. So, that must have been a fun game. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, not sure if there were forward passes in 1892, so, uh... A lot of points. A lot of points on the board there for pretty much a running game, it sounds like. So uh, yeah. Purdue heads into this game not really uh, – as of recording, we don't know if they still have a chance to go to the Big Ten title game. Uh, the team will know by the time this game kicks off because mm-hmm. Nebraska versus Iowa is going to be on Friday night. And if Iowa wins, they are headed to the Big Ten title game. If they lose – Purdue has got a shot. All they have to do is beat IU and they will be the Big Ten team heading to the Big Ten title game in Indianapolis. But I want to point out, regardless of what happens in the Nebraska versus Iowa game, if Purdue wins against IU, they will be able to call themselves Big Ten West division champs. Uh, Would you still use that title even if it's a two- to three-way tie?
1: Absolutely. I mean, at the beginning of the season, we had – that sort of expectation but five years ago that was like part of our wildest
0: exactly exactly yeah i'm taking it i don't care if it's like a six-way tie i will (laughs) i'll be like oh yeah remember back in 2022 when purdue won the west division so i'm taking whatever i can get uh would love to have the iu game mean a little bit more um if the big 10 if the trip to the big 10 title is on the line so uh for everyone listening remember we have to root for Nebraska on Friday as unsettling as it is I mean we already root we're rooting for Minnesota uh, last week and it didn't work out for us so we can swallow it one more week and uh, root for the corn huskers as they take on the Hawkeyes. That one I think is going to be a little bit harder to do because it is at Iowa but you know we'll root for the corn huskers and and hope for the best so um I know last week you said you don't think that Nebraska can pull it off. Uh, has Have you changed your mind at all as we get closer?
1: Well, at least Scott Frost isn't there to let us down. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's definitely possible. Exactly. Um, watching Spencer Rattler at South Carolina take care of Tennessee, I think anything's possible. They're both him and uh, Casey Thompson, both Big 12 quarterbacks at one point. It's coming together.
0: Yeah. So, uh so Their
1: corn is better than Iowa corn.
0: That's what I've always said. That's the long-standing, uh, longstanding opinion of this podcast, so keep that in mind. Um, mm-hmm. Now, heading into the Purdue-IU game, Purdue suffered a couple injuries in our most recent game against Northwestern. Jeff Brom said in his press conference on Monday that Purdue starting center and, uh, honestly, best offensive lineman on the team, Gus Hartwig, and I'm going to quote him here, uh, unfortunately, Gus suffered a substantial injury being a cast on his lower extremity for the next couple of weeks and having surgery and be out for an extended period End quote. So, uh, you know, he's not coming back for the IU game, likely not coming back for a bowl game. Um, even if the bowl game is, you know, three, four five weeks away, uh, it just doesn't make sense for his health. I wouldn't think. So, uh, it's a very, very tough position to lose your center uh because you know it's just so important the the exchange, the the snaps, and he is the leader of that offensive line. And that is gonna be something that really hurts Purdue um as they come into this game against um against IU. It, do and wait, we know uh Jalen Graham will play and we know that uh Do we know about Mockaby? I was searching for it. I don't know that we were given a definitive answer.
1: Not as of yet. As of right now, he is just in the concussion protocol. Okay, that's what I thought.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't know. Um, We really hope that he comes back. We'll hopefully get an update as the week goes on. Usually about Thursday or Friday, they they issue another update. But given Jeff Brom's injury history, it's always kind of like a little bit hit or miss what he actually says. And you just never know if if Maccabee is gonna come back, so we hope we can get him out there because being able to have a solid running game really would help us. so um, we know enough about Purdue I mean that I don't think we need to harp on on what this team can do. Iowa comes into the or Iowa Indiana comes into this game four and seven, two and six in the conference, and their two victories are against Illinois. Uh, in game one of the season and then against Michigan State last week in double overtime. But I think it's fair to point out that that Michigan State team is a bit depleted due to, oh, I don't know, starting a brawl in a tunnel against Michigan.
1: Yeah, and Michigan just loves that tunnel. yes, yeah, they they're really proud of it. Um, mm-hmm. so,
0: so they found a way to beat a a a uh, under undermanned Michigan State team. And not exactly, I think, a world beater at this point with not exactly a world beater with all those folks out that I don't know if you saw, but uh, either seven or eight players had uh, legal charges brought against them today, Mm -hmm. Um, assault and battery and um, the like. So that was you don't see that often in college sports. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. Um, You know, what can you tell me about IU, specifically the quarterback position for them?
1: Well, Funnily enough, somehow, Indiana won the game against Michigan State while only passing the ball seven times in a double overtime affair, completing only two passes throughout <sighs> the game. So the Indiana midshipmen, perhaps? Yes, there you go. So they, their starting quarterback, Connor Bazlack was injured this season. He has not been back as of yet. And their second-string quarterback, Jack Tuttle, entered the transfer portal just a couple weeks ago. On top of that, their leading receiver Cam camper earlier this year towards ACL. So this passing offense for Indiana has gotten some bad luck, but overall has just struggled very mightily. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, when you go two for seven passing in a double overtime game... It, I, it just, I can't fathom that as a Purdue fan. You know, we're so used to pass-happy offenses where, you know, you throw the ball 30, 40, 50 times a game that to see a team throw the ball seven times and win is just astounding to me.
1: Their second pass came in double overtime. Oh, well, really? 24-yard completion. At that point, you just pull out the trick play.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to do something. I mean, I can't, uh, Like, two of seven for 31 yards. Just outrageous and i mean they they went down in that game 24 to 7 and then found a way to come back and win so um you know kudos to them for that but it has been uh, it's been such an interesting few years for iu football you know going from thinking they're gonna win uh nine games to the pandemic shortened season to where they won i think six games or uh I mean five, five or six games and then to this where they're now sitting at uh 4 and 7 on the year and without any chance at bowl eligibility. I have no idea what is going on over there, do you?
1: Uh no. Um they are 2 and 15 in conference over the past two seasons. Jeez. And I you love Tom Allen as a guy, but I, you know, hopefully he stays there a while. Right,
0: yeah, for our sake.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you like to think he's just a defensive guy and that's what he focuses on. But the defense has been the uh, the Achilles heel of this Indiana team all season. They are giving up 35 points a game in conference play, which is dead last in the Big Ten. And they give up over 450 yards a game. Wow. So, not great. Not yeah. Not great.
0: Yeah. I mean looking at the it i use football history just for like the last uh 10 years or so it's such a strange well i'll go 11 it's such a strange string of seasons i mean in 2011 they were 1 and 11 then they go 4 and 8 5 and 7 so right on the edge of bowl eligibility then 4 and 8 then they wound up 6 and 7 after they lost their bowl game in 2015 mm-hmm. went to back to back bowl games 2015 2016 lost them both but Uh, wound up six and seven Uh, and then Kevin Wilson was fired or let go. I don't remember what happened there Um, after that year. And then it was five and seven, five and seven. And then in 2019 was their big nine Windiana campaign where they were eight and five. Uh, Then the pandemic season in 2020, they were six and two. Um, And if you recall, uh, that was, I thought they kind of got screwed out of going to the big 10 championship game. Uh, Mm -hmm. And you know, it, it, Says a lot when I'm on IU's side, but I really did think they got screwed there. Um, and then after that, they've just fallen off so hard. 2-10 uh, two in 2021, including a winless conference season, and then so far 4-7 and seven this year. So I, I don't know what happened to them, how they fell off so quickly. I mean, Tom Allen is now in his uh, seventh season with a team, or I'm sorry, sixth season with a team, and uh, I, I don't know how they go from... Eight and five, six and two, to then suddenly two and ten. It's just wild the drop off that they faced over these last few years.
1: And a lot of that has to do with their quarterback play. In True, yeah, honesty, that's fair. Their quarterbacks have been just decimated injuries. I know the star quarterback for Indiana football has been Michael Penix, and I believe he had two separate ACL tears.
0: That sounds and right.
1: It's it's just been injury after injury for their quarterback room and you really need something like that to have a strong foundation for this program and they're unless you somehow have world beaters at running back like wisconsin or iowa but that hasn't been the case either they have above average running backs but the quarterback play just has not met the level that they need
0: yeah yeah and as Purdue fans, we certainly understand the toll that injuries can take on a season. Um, mm-hmm. you know, especially at a position as important as quarterback. So, it's it, it I would, you know, you hate it for the individual players even though they play for IU. You know, we don't wish injuries on anybody. Now, as far as watching them lose, that's fine with me. Um, you know, <laughs> they're their fans. I don't mind watching them lose and watching them suffer a little bit. So, I'm fine with that. I hope the individual people are, you know, healthy and we don't wish ill on anyone. So we really, really uh, just love to see the drop off in IU's performance. Um, You know, we're going to Bloomington as we discussed on the last podcast. IU is giving out free tickets to every student uh, to this game. And remember that when you take a look at the stands and see that it is going to not be full. Um, I understand that it's the week, the weekend after Thanksgiving and a lot of people go home, but that hasn't stopped Purdue from, you know, selling out or nearly selling out and filling up ross when the bucket game is in West Lafayette. So I don't want to hear any complaints uh, from IU fans as that game uh, looks really bad on TV once again.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the problem is a lot of the Indiana fans are actually going to South Bend for games. Right, yeah, yeah. So that's that could be part of the... But, I mean, to give away free tickets, I would have accepted them. You know, I'd go and watch a football game, even if it's kind of a, been a mediocre product. But that's just me. Yeah, I
0: would, too. Um, I would, too.
1: Maybe they should do some combo tickets, get basketball and football
0: Yeah. at the same time. That's, that's about the only way you're going to get a bunch of people uh, to go watch this IU football team. Do something with basketball there. Guarantee a basketball ticket. Um, so i'm i think this is a game that the purdue offense should maybe get back on track um have we checked the weather uh because I have. okay good <laughs> that's my final yes. question before we get into prediction so what is the weather looking like and please include the wind for me because as we know uh we are a precision passing offense and that wind can really really mess us up
1: absolutely it's starting to come with my uh My Game Odds articles, my first sentence has always got to be about the weather.
0: Yeah, well, it makes sense now, as we've seen.
1: Right. So, Aiden O'Connell should, should be okay in this one from a weather standpoint, because we're looking at about 55 degrees. Perfect, perfect crisp Indiana weather in November. Exactly. Partly cloudy with little chance of rain, under 20% chance of rain. I'll take that. And... Five to seven mile an hour woods. Okay, that's
0: not bad. That's, you know, so, roughly half of what we had last week, so.
1: Exactly, and hopefully it's not that'll supposed help. to be gusty either.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. So, so maybe the passing offense will kind of turn itself back on after it's been uh, reset a few times in these last two, three games.
1: I certainly hope so, especially since the Indiana defense last week to Michigan State allowed Peyton Thorne, to throw for about almost 300 yards and two touchdowns.
0: Yeah, so hopefully hopefully, AOC and the rest of the uh, passing offense can get themselves back on track. Right. So, I'm going to ask you, what do we think okay. is going to happen Saturday afternoon, 3.30 kickoff, when Purdue heads to Bloomington?
1: Um, I wrote this in my Game Odds article. I think Purdue covers the 10.5-point spread, and... Uh, wins. And it's a pretty high scoring affair. I like the weather. I like the lack of defense for the offense to get back on track for Purdue. So I had a final of 38 to 21.
0: All right. So you have more faith in the Purdue offense than I do. Um, (laughs) I, I do think this will be a much better game for them because you know, they, Purdue has faced some tough defenses in recent weeks. Illinois and Iowa, both pretty darn good on the defensive side of the ball, but uh, they did not look good against Northwestern. Maybe you chalk that up to the weather, the wind. I don't know, uh, but there's got to be a little something more to it than that. And it, now that we don't, we don't know if Maccabee' is going to be out there. We lost Hartwig. Uh, those are a couple big losses for this team. I do still think Purdue's going to win this game, but I think they're going to struggle a little bit more on offense than you do. I'm going to go 24-10. to 10. Uh, Purdue is going to win. So this will be Charlie Jones' last regular season Purdue game. Uh, what do we think he's going to grab?
1: I think Charlie Jones knows it's his last regular season game. Same with Aiden O'Connell. So I think the duo is going to go for broke on this one. I'm going to say... 12 catches, 104 yards, two touchdowns. All right. Um, and kind of to go along
0: with my uh, score of 14 fewer points than you, I'm going to do <laughs> a little bit less. I'm going to go eight catches. I'm going to go 86 yards and one touchdown. So still a good day, uh, but not quite as good as what you're recommending or predicting here, mm-hmm. I should say. So we both got Purdue heading out with a victory. And as mentioned we really, really need Nebraska uh, to beat Iowa on Friday because, man, I would love a chance to play in Indy, even if it's Michigan and Ohio State as the possible opponents and Purdue gets their <laughs> their butts kicked. You know, it would just be great for the team to get there uh, to play in that Big Ten title game. So really, really, really rooting for the Cornhuskers on Friday. So, uh, Ryan, anything else about this Purdue game versus Indiana or any quick IU story you want to share?
1: Ooh, IU story. Um, no, I don't think so. Not pertaining to this. Um, Have you ever
0: Have you ever been to a football game at IU?
1: I have not. So that was one of those things where I always went home for the holidays. Yeah, and I. So you're the you're
0: the reason you're the reason that the IU football stadium is never filled.
1: Yes, I I am the reason they couldn't fill their sixty thousand plus. Yep. You you can put that all on me. I knew it. I do, however, my ringtone is Hail Fire. Ah, yes. So.
0: There you go. That's good enough. That's good enough for me. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think I've told this story before. I was at the Purdue IU game uh, way back in 2007, uh, the Mm -hmm. year they kicked the field goal to win at the last second, and the students rushed the field. Uh, (laughs) I, I was there with a friend of mine who goes to IU and another friend of ours who went to Purdue, so two Purdue fans um, and an IU fan in the student section, in the IU student section, and we just had the sea of IU students rushing the field after they made the kick, and that was a miserable experience, a just <laughs> miserable experience. So I would not recommend that for any of our listeners. Uh, man, that was tough, but I, they had a great story. You know, it was the year after Hepner died uh great story for them you know they went to their bowl game but oof that was rough that was rough so uh there we go folks we are really rooting for the corn huskers or we're really rooting for purdue in the phil knight legacy tournament uh three games in i believe four days and of course rooting for purdue to keep the old oaken bucket for ryan and myself thanks so much for listening have a great thanksgiving we'll chat with you next week